You're listening to Theo Live, a live YouTube stream podcast hosted by me, Dean Lentini. Every week, I try to give you biblical theology for normal people. If you're interested in hopping into the conversation, you can catch us live every Monday on my YouTube channel. Link in the show notes. Now let's get into it. I'm right here, guys. Okay. I'm sorry I started a little late. Man, we got people. I'm not hiding. I'm right here. <laughs> got Luke hopping into the chat. Welcome to Theo Live, by the way. Episode 33. Today, we're going to be talking about Driscoll again, because I feel like we have to. I really do. I'm like, I was asked a little bit on Twitter because I was like interacting with some stuff and being like, what the heck is going on? And uh, uh, like, people were like, like, oh, this is gross. And I was like, yeah, it is. But if someone doesn't scream about it, <laughs> like if someone's not yelling and being like, hey, this is messed up. It's just going to be allowed to continue. So today we're talking about Driscoll. We will do like a deep dive into his session. I watched it all hour and I think it was like an hour and 20 minutes. Typical Driscoll sermon, I guess. Um, but I watched all of it and I do have access to video. I'm not going to be showing the video. We're going to be looking at some of the quotes, though. A lot of them. And there's a lot to that. Uh, if you think I'm exaggerating with the title, with the thumbnail, I am not. Uh, I don't want you to go and pay for it uh, because I don't think it's worth your money. Um, but I want you to stick around and we're going to look at these things and interact. But, um, you know, I started late. I was trying to get things together. As you can see from the look today, things... Things are a little out of hand with my set right now. Trying to do some things. I have some things coming in from Amazon that I'm excited about. Nothing huge, but just some things that should be able to get let me get that wider angle here and actually have it like lit properly. It's it's a struggle, guys. But I've been trying to get things going. If you I saw I did my first YouTube short the other day where I was just lamenting over the fact that this thing is just it's not grounded properly that's the issue guys and a lot of you were like i can't hear anything and y'all are liars okay i could hear it i have bad hearing and i could hear that buzz and i was like this ain't happening today so we busted out the sm48 the the old mic which actually sounds pretty good although you can hear more of like the desk and stuff like that and like the toilet was running and I had to go run upstairs and make sure the toilet wasn't running because I didn't want you guys to hear that. But I did want to talk about it apparently on my podcast. <sighs> All right. Live stream podcast. Same thing. So I'm sorry, Luke, that I started late. I was trying to do some things. Okay. We're going to get into it. There's going to be good content today. Okay. And I'm not hiding. I'm right here, John. Come at me, brah. Um, no, I'm not going to. You're a good guy. I like you. All right, John, uh, looks like Theo has a link to his online conference in the description. Hardy, har, har, John. I bet you were just waiting. You're, you're probably going to go do something else, but you were just waiting for me to respond to you. And I gave it, I just went right into it, didn't I? Walked right into that. Ah, uh, Theo is always on it. I'm Dean, okay? By now, I thought you'd know. Uh, let's see, a little late. Yeah, it's a, a little late, okay? I got to put the baby to bed. I'm on daddy duty. I got to make sure the toilet's not running. All this kind of stuff. 
Uh, Devin, glad you're late. I was on another live stream talking about the state of the world in Canada. Ooh, boy. Lots to talk about there, Devin. Uh, Genuine JC, first he is late, then he calls us liars. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay? I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling you how it is, okay, JC? I'm just telling you how it is. I don't mean to be accusatory. We're going to talk about someone else who's pretty accusatory here in just a little bit. And toilet humor. Uh, yeah basically all right guys today we are continuing the saga <laughs> i guess of theo lives driscoll series where i continually talk about mark driscoll because the reason why like i said i think that a lot of people are just they just don't want to talk about him anymore you know like there was a big podcast and people talk about the podcast and about celebrity pastors and the effects but they don't want to talk about driscoll anymore which i totally get i don't really want to talk about driscoll anymore but then we have instances like this it's not my conference okay john there's theos online conference and we talked about this on a previous episode i think it was two weeks ago we we did a deep dive into this and uh, but for anyone who is new, I do want to give a little bit of a refresher before we hop into what Driscoll actually said in his session. This is a conference started from Nathan Finocchio, uh, who is, uh, he's the founder, as you see here, uh, but he is a former pastor at Hillsong. Now, I will also, like, last time I was really talking about, like, education and, uh, like, the fact that the guy has a bachelor's and he's starting an institution where he's supposedly giving out PhDs. They are unaccredited. I talked about that in my last one. You can go and watch that after, uh, there'll be a link in the end card for that one. Um, but, uh, today I want to talk a little bit about this guy before we get going, because I've had some people reach out to me. There is, there is an Instagram, um, account of like Hillsong, I think they even use the term like Hillsong survivors or something like that. Um, but a lot of people who were spiritually abused and maybe other kinds of abuse, I don't, I don't know their stories, but people who were at Hillsong who interacted and I did get a couple messages. I'm sorry for like those people. If I haven't responded to you yet, I will, uh, but weekends been busy, but I did see them. And, uh, some people have reached out and told me a little bit more about this individual. And the, I guess he wasn't actually a teaching pastor at Hillsong, or at least that's, that's what people are telling me that he taught a few times from the stage, but he wasn't an actual pastor. Uh, so that's, that's a little interesting when you go into like teaching pastor right there, because he hasn't been at least to my knowledge at other churches, maybe, maybe, you know guy on the internet might be wrong about the history of different individuals but at least from what i can find uh when he was talking about being a teaching pastor he was referring to hillsong and he's not now he's gone and he's taught at other hillsong campuses are they their own churches i don't think they really are it's campuses right um but he's gone and spoken at different ones and there's a lot going on there but i do want to just clarify that and i appreciate the people who've been coming you know Different, different things that I talk about. Some people are like, 
you know, they've been hurt by those institutions. So they reach out. I always appreciate that because a lot of times I get a lot more information. And I can bring that back to you guys and say, Hey, you know, I was talking with this individual and they told me something. So I appreciate that. So if you have more, uh, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at grumpy Baptist. But I did want to give you that little clarification that apparently he wasn't actually like a, an actual teaching pastor at Hillsong, but he spoke there multiple times and was like there on staff, but it wasn't necessarily like in a teaching capacity as an elder. Uh, but he decided that he wanted to start this conference. And uh, I don't think this is the first year. I think that there's been a few years of this because Driscoll did in his session, he talked about um, the last year and actually very interesting. We'll get into it in a little while. Um, but what he spoke about last year was critical race theory. And I remember the video that went around and I'm very curious whether that was just, uh, like basically taking the intro off of his session and then just saying, Hey, uh, this is for the internet because that went around. And that's also why I'm very concerned about what's happening now is because, uh, I remember when that video went out, um, you know, I don't, go and look up Driscoll sermons. I'm not listening to him. Uh, but I saw a lot of people who are in my camp who are reformed Baptists, uh, other reformed types, very studious theologians. All right. Not, not just like random guys. Like these are good guys, but they were sharing this video of Mark Driscoll. And this was after the rise and fall of Mars Hill. It was like basically like a month after it came out. It was like back in back in September, maybe, that the video was going around, and it was all about critical race theory. Um, but that's what he spoke about last year. He turned it into a book, and I think into that video. Um, but, you know, another important thing that before we get things going, and why I'm so concerned, and why I'm still talking about Mark Driscoll, is because of this guy. This just bones me out. Like, um, Matt Chandler... Uh, is a pretty well-respected figure in evangelicalism. You might not like him. Uh, I know that there have been a lot of different issues with his church. I've heard from quite a few of those people in the, the circles that I run in on Twitter. Um, but, I mean, like, I've always found his sermons very helpful. Um, I've got at least one of his books, although people say that it was Jared C. Wilson who actually wrote it. But... Um, his book, uh, the explicit gospel, I have it, you know, just right over there, um, on the shelf. So I like this guy. I don't have anything against him, but I am very concerned about the fact that he decided to continue to speak. And I did watch his session as well. Uh, and I mean, it was fine. Like there wasn't really too much in it. It, it was very basic of what's the gospel, um, which is good. We all need to be reminded about the gospel and certainly people who would sign up for this kind of a, a conference who aren't just looking at it to be like, what's going on here? Um, they, they would be helped by that. So, But I, w I was very disappointed that he actually continued to speak uh, when other speakers decided to pull out. Now, I talked about it before. His picture is now gone from here. Um, but Samuel Say 
who is a conservative Canadian uh, evangelical voice. Uh, he's got a blog, Slow to Speak, I think. I don't really read it, but I've known of the guy for a while because, you know, Canadian evangelical circles are pretty small. And uh, so I've known about him for a long time. And I actually reached out to, to him on Twitter and asked, you know, like, like, cause I don't know what this thing is. Like it could have been just that, you know, random sermons are getting put out and saying it's a session because it's online, you know, where did he actually know who, who was speaking with him? Like, does he know any of this stuff? But, uh, apparently he did not because, uh, like I sent him a, tweet and some people uh interacted on that and then some other people picked it up julie roy's eventually picked it up and uh he got an email um uh from them and he responded by saying that he was pulling out of the conference that he wasn't going to provide a session for this year's conference so uh kudos on that guy like that's good I really appreciate that because a guy like that probably doesn't get all that many opportunities to be on a platform you know, to be, to be at a conference. Now this is an online thing, but it's a big deal because when you start to do these things and, Oh, I've, I've spoken at this conference and that conference, you know, it's a stepping stool. And we've seen that in evangelical circles. We've, we've seen that all over the place. And sometimes that's really bad. Uh, but for someone like that, who is a blogger, uh, and, you know, trying to like make his way and he's got a very popular blog. So that, that was, that would have been a really, good as far as like career wise and just credibility wise, that would have been a, a good step for him to be a speaker at a conference. Maybe he's spoken at other conferences, not that I know of, but I think that was really just respectable of him to uh, be like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to hold hands with people like this. Uh, and so he pulled out and I think that that deserves a, a lot of praise. Um, but Ali Bestucky is still here. Also, <sighs> I didn't want to talk about it in the other one, but there's just been a lot of stuff that I've seen from this account on Twitter. I'm not trying to start beef, but uh, Honest Youth Pastor was also a part of this thing, which is just kind of weird to me. But anyways, um, all right, let's get into uh, talking about Driscoll in just a sec. Let's first make sure that we got everyone here and we're all on the same page and it's just kumbaya over in the chat. And you guys still aren't making fun of me for my name being Dean. Do I have to be Dean live guys? Like, let's be a little bit artistic about this, John, uh, man, we all came out strong with the shots fired. Well done crew, <laughs> man. It's like leading, leading the charge. I see this, uh, this is, this is like in the Hobbit, uh, with Thorin Oakenshield and he's like pounding away on that ax and he's, you know, doing his thing and just voiceover and he never forgave and he never forgot. I'm going to remember this, John. Uh, Mike Anderson. Hey, brother. Appreciate the content, especially on Mondays when I'm recovering from Sunday. Awesome, man. I'm glad. Uh, that's that's my goal, guys. I want to just hang out with you guys, chat about theology, chat about some different things going on in Christian circles, and just have a little bit of community and fun with you guys. And maybe every once in a while, give you something you haven't thought about. Um, Devin, God bless you, brother. Appreciate that. Uh, JC, did anyone else start seeing ads on Facebook for the conference after watching the live stream? Yeah, I saw saw you say that <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, my bad, my bad. Uh, Joel 
if you went to the conference website, you'll be retargeted with ads. Okay, so don't go there. You could just look on, on my iPad here. All right, uh, let's start talking about the session. All right, let's start discussing a little bit about some of the things that he was saying. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, oh, let's let's change this <laughs> so that so that John doesn't go too far with apostasy. All right, we're talking about apostasy. I was typing real fast to get ready for the stream. All right. Um so, we're talking about this session that Driscoll gave. Now, he was giving, you know, just the green light. He could have talked about anything. Uh, and he said when he was talking to his son, this became a popular or at least an idea that he thought would be popular with kids like younger people, which is the target audience of this Theos conference thing. And so uh, he wanted to talk about apostasy in these four different ways, these pathways to apostasy. So. Now, for anyone who is probably watching this, you probably know what apostasy is, but it is an abandoning of the Christian faith. But this is this is how Driscoll kind of frames it. And I think it's I think it's a little interesting, all right? He says Christianity emerged with four competing ideologies, and those four continue to this day, and they continue to compete with Christianity, and as a result, they end up causing mass widespread apostasy. So the whole premise of Driscoll's uh, session, because again, I don't want you to pay for it. If you did watch it, let me know. Uh, these, the, what we're going to be looking at are direct quotes. Okay. Like I just literally wrote down what he said. Uh, so I haven't added anything. I haven't taken away anything. There are a couple dots where he just kind of rambled for a minute, but I wanted to make sure that we got the context of what he said. Uh, but that's the only thing that I've changed, uh, in any of these quotes. Um, but if you watched it, let me know. I'd be interested to know if anyone else was just kind of looking at it and being like, mm, you know, kind of just looking for a bruising, I guess, and <laughs> I'll, I'll watch this thing. But I thought it was important because, like I said, Matt Chandler is trying to at least continue to speak with him. And there are a few things that are said that Driscoll kind of gets at both, I think, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, but also Matt Chandler. And and we'll, we'll talk about that as we move along. But basically what he's saying is that there are these four different ideologies uh, that compete against Christianity and right before Christianity came into the picture with Jesus doing his, uh, three years of ministry right before then there were some, and then later there were some others added on, but that they continue to this day. Uh, so let's, let's get into, uh, what he says next. Cause this is important leaders and groups, they change, but the demons don't. Which, if you're coming from, you know, kind of my circles, uh, now this might be different if you're Pentecostal, if you're charismatic, if you're kind of in even like word of faith, like those kinds of circles, the, this will probably sound normal to you, or at least uh, more normalized than it will to me. Um, but I also come from the circle where Driscoll was. <laughs> so uh, he might not like it now. And he, he says so in the session, uh, but he was a part of the reformed evangelical group. 
he was there with gospel coalition you can see the videos you can uh, i think you can still read some of the articles but he was there all right so he was and maybe maybe there was like speaking in tongues and different things like that uh, but he's gonna get at cessationists um i i don't care what he says he was kind of rolling with it at the time uh behind closed doors though there was a lot of talk about demonology like if you listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, there was a lot of like demonic trials where they would sit individuals down and talk about how, you know, whatever is oppressing them, this demon needs to be brought out of them. So in a way, like he was a cessationist and in a way now, or at least like we get a fuller picture now looking back, there was some other aspects of charismatic theology uh, Pentecostal theology. And, you know, as a second London Baptist confession guy, like I, I realize that demons exist, but, um, we, we aren't, you know, having trials for them. Uh, and especially phrases like this, like leaders and groups, they change, but the demons don't. So this is a very charismatic teaching of demons being behind ideology of the day. Um, which that could be the case, but from a Reformed Baptist position, you know, people come up with ideas and not everything is satanic oppression. Not everything has a demon behind it. Um, maybe he's just talking about almost like the moral support of a demon. But I think as we go along, to me, it's like actually demonic. He believes that demons are behind these teachings. And so the leaders in groups... They change, but the demons don't. The leaders who uh, promulgated this apostasy, they are long dead, but the demons who inhabited and worked through them still exist and are choosing new leaders today. So this is where he goes with his session. He says that all these different uh, pathways to apostasy are demonic. They, they were um, you know, originated with demons. They inhabited people. Uh, they worked through different leaders and that has continued. So while those leaders and groups, they've died off over time, maybe things have become less popular today. Those demons are picking new people. So by saying that he's saying that these next, like these four groups that he's going to talk about are demonic. Uh, that's a big statement <laughs> and he just kind of throws it in there. Um, you know, we're talking about people and he's going to reference Christians and he's calling them demonic. Uh, so I want, I want that to be clear. Like my, my goal in looking at these things is to just basically show you like what he said and make it a little bit more clear about the like, uh, different things that we can infer from what he said and, and just be like, that's eh, right there. All right. So. So these are the four apostasies, according to him. Uh, there's the Pharisees, uh, which a lot of us are very familiar with, the legalists of the time, the religious leaders that Jesus was always fighting. And then kind of like, I don't know, the Robin to that Batman is the Sadducees. And then, I mean, like this is one of those things where like you knew that he wanted to have four. Like, like sometimes when you're listening to a pastor preach, like you just be like, okay, you really had two points, but you wanted a third point. Like, that's kind of how I feel about these last two. Uh, so the Essenes and the Zealots. 
Now, I'm really just going to focus on those first two and mostly on that first one because he does. Um, that's like the main focus of his stuff is really focusing on the Pharisees, some on the Sadducees, and then like the last, like I think it's like 15 minutes of an hour and 20 minutes he deals with the other two. So uh, the other two aren't as important except for a little bit about what he says about the zealots, which we'll look at. But he wants to talk about Pharisees and say that there are still Pharisees today, uh, or at least the demons behind Pharisee, like the Pharisaical viewpoint, that's still going on and they're finding new leaders. All right. So he says the Pharisees goal was separation, um, which I think I can agree with a little bit. Uh, I think it was more than that. I think. Uh, I don't think, because what he wants to talk about is separation. That's his whole thing for this first point, is how Christians need to stop separating from each other and fundamentalism, that's what fundamentalism is. And, you know, like in a certain way, he's right about that. Fundamentalism is about separation. You could look back at, I think it was just last week, that right, that I talked about the new fundamentalism, because there there is fundamentalism <laughs> all over in evangelicalism right now. Um, but is it the same kind of fundamentalism that he's going to be talking about? I don't think so. Uh, and this is kind of how he sets it up because he's talking about, you know, these four viewpoints. So he wants that to apply to different Christian groups. Uh, let me say that again, Christian groups. He's not talking about the world. His idea is about apostasy being something that at least would claim to be Christian and then leave, right? Uh, so the Pharisees' goal was separation. I don't think so. I think the, the Pharisees' goal was holiness. And then over time, that got twisted into a form of legalism, um, which like a little bit of separation would be a part of that, but it's not like the main goal, all right? So the Pharisees' goal was separation. You'll hear it, and this is how he references a lot of this stuff, all right? Uh, like he'll be like, this is what it is. And this is how you can see it. So the Pharisees goal was separation and you'll hear it with virtue signaling words from people like holding others accountable. And he, and he did this at the time, holding others accountable and accusing people of being false teachers. Um, now this is why I put in the thumbnail, stop attacking me, because that's really the theme of this session. This session isn't about how you can live out your Christian faith and avoid these pitfalls of apostasy. That is not what this is about. This is about Mark Driscoll and how you need to stop attacking him and how Dean should shut up about Mark Driscoll and how... Uh, Cosper, Mike Cosper needs to stop putting out podcasts about Mars Hill and how you need to stop making videos about Mark Driscoll and you need to stop talking bad about Mark Driscoll. This is about him and this idea of being held accountable. And he, he says a whole bunch of stuff later on about accountability, but it's very clear that he doesn't want to be held accountable and he doesn't think that you have the right, that I have the right as just a Christian to look at another Christian teacher and be like, there's something off here. Like, and even like accusing people of being false teachers. Now, like, why is this such a big deal? Because this is him. This is his life. This is, this is what has happened to him. 
Like this is not like you you might be able to look at this and be like, well, th that kind of happens in culture. And that might be true. If we're talking about like in a vacuum, whether this statement could be true, but let's remember the context. Who is the one talking? The one who actually said that he was going to be held accountable by his church. I like, I remember, I remember watching the video of him being up in front of the congregation at Mars Hill. Uh, I think it was the Ballard campus. And uh, they, they just like had this thing. He gave a little bit of a speech and how he was going to go through this process. And then he didn't go through the process and he, you know, tucked tail and ran, ran down to Arizona and planted his own church. Like, so for someone who uh, is saying like, oh, you, you need to stop trying to hold people accountable. It's not coming from a place that's just like, you know, just kind of even keel about this. This is someone who has been asked to be held accountable, like that people have come to him and say, we need to hold you accountable. And he doesn't want to, and he ran away. Uh, so holding others accountable and accusing people of false, uh, being false teachers, which the internet has done with Mark Driscoll. It's happened. So that, but that's what Pharisees do, right? That's what Pharisees do. It is carried forth in modern day evangelical fundamentalism to which I can agree to a certain point and saying like, yes, there are fundamentalists today in evangelicalism. And it is not just, you know, the, the guys with the organs and who say you can't have drums and who have Bible verses on their ties and part their hair in the, well, actually parting your hair in the middle now is cool. Apparently. I don't know. I always just wear a hat, but <laughs> like, but it used to be parting your hair in the middle was like not cool and they would do it. Um, but all that kind of stuff, you think about fundamentalists and you might think that, or like the sermon clips that go around and of people jumping on top of a pulpit and talking about all kinds of things and weird stuff and King James only and all that kind of jazz. Um, you might think of fundamentalists like that, but that is not true. It is not just those people. There is a fundamentalist spirit that I think a lot of us have experienced uh, of, you know, what, what is your position on this political thing? And I'm not talking about abortion. Although now that I said it, this video probably won't go anywhere regardless of whatever else I say. Um, but I'm talking about other political things. And if you don't have the same position as me, then you're wrong. Then I can't have fellowship with you. Then this relationship is broken down. That is happening today. But again, this isn't happening just in like a vacuum of someone saying something. This is happening with an agenda. It's, it's a person with an agenda and that agenda is obviously to vindicate himself publicly, or at least to give his perspective on what everyone says about him. So it is carried forth in modern day evangelical fundamentalism. The spirit of the Pharisees is broad brushing people. It is opposing people. It is attacking people. And sometimes it is canceling people. Okay, so this is this is his whole goal is to vindicate himself. And so he's attacking those who have looked at his ministry, evaluated and have said, you know, he needs to be held accountable and said, you know, he is a false teacher. And he's looking at those people and saying, well, you're just Pharisees. 
You know, you're just uh, living up to the the spirit of the Pharisees, and you're just broad brushing me. You don't know me. You're opposing me. You're attacking me, and you're trying to cancel me. Um, that's that's really what's being said here. Uh, the Pharisees weren't about canceling people, and this is this is why I put that first phrase that I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. That sounds too mean. You know, in the thumbnail I put. I'm Jesus, stop attacking me. But this is why I'm doing this, is because over and over again throughout this sermon, I've never seen a sermon, I've listened to a lot of bad sermons, let me say that. A lot, a lot of bad sermons. I feel like the vast majority of the sermons I've had to sit through, Bible college, uh, not from my pastor, but other pastors coming in and like other experiences that I've had the last six years, I've listened to a lot of bad sermons and I have never heard someone put their, put themselves in the place of Jesus more often than what Driscoll did in this sermon, this, this session. He was basically just saying, I'm Jesus and stop coming at me. And so that's why I put it in the thumbnail because he's, he's talking about the Pharisees and how the Pharisees tried to cancel Jesus. They didn't try to cancel Jesus. They were combating him theologically and saying like, hey, we disagree with you. And eventually, yes, that meant leading to death and all of that. But it is not the same as like today with canceling. That's reading like it's it's one of those exegetical fallacies, right? Of reading just like your modern day context and what's going on right now back into the text. And that is not something that we are supposed to do with the word of God. He does it, although he actually... I should say into the narrative of the Bible, because, you know, for a guy that loves to take pictures of his ESV Bible, that's all, uh, you know, just in, in shambles and say, this is the one that my wife gave me and becomes clear because it wasn't even published until after the year that he said. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, I have some things that I'm still like, man, that was crazy. Um, but for a guy who brings that Bible up to the, to the pulpit, big Bible and loves to hold it and wave it. Uh, he didn't read like any scripture. He quoted a few scriptures out of context and he didn't go to any passage whatsoever. He just had it there as a prop. And so I should say the narrative of scripture that he, he is trying to read modern day context back into, uh, the narrative of scripture. And he wants to talk about cancellation. And this is something that he's going to do over and over as we move along here. Uh, he is going to take words that maybe you're concerned about political terms, um, different ideas that are very popular right now. And he's going to throw these buzzwords throughout his sermon, his session. Uh, and he's just wanting to get people to be, Oh, he's talking about woke theology. Oh, CRT. I heard, I heard the thing that I'm concerned about, you know? Uh, Oh, cancellation. Yeah. We shouldn't be canceling people. You know, like he's trying to take these buzzwords, these items and just throw them at you so that you stop for, you know, focusing on the other things and focus on this thing. Like he's going to talk about how different groups come together against a common enemy. That's what he's trying to do with whoever is going to watch this. He's trying to be like, don't like almost like wizard of Oz. Uh, don't mind the man behind the curtain, you know, <laughs> like don't look over there, just focus over here on these buzzwords. And we all need to be fighting against these, these things, right? Like we're all on the same page about these things. 
which not everyone is, but people that he wants to have in his camp are. Uh, he says, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you worry a lot about how you appear and your vir virtue signaling and your Bible translation and what conferences you go to and who you like on social media and which hashtag you repost and which conferences you go to. Something was on his mind uh, and which books you read, but you ignore everything in here talking about the heart. So this is this is how he's kind of going with this. He's saying like Jesus talking to the Pharisees, they're focused on the outward, which is true. They were focused on outward obedience and adding even more stipulations uh, to the law to be as for like as far away from whatever that line is of uh, obedience and disobedience. They want to be as far away from that line as possible on the side of obedience. And so uh, they, they add in all these different things. And Jesus obviously holds that against them of like, you, you're so concerned about, you know, all these different little tiny details, but you're not focused on the big picture, which is your heart. You are to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. And so you aren't focusing on those big things. So he is right about that but again he is going to twist these things and he is a false teacher he is a false teacher uh, he hurts people you can listen to the podcast you can see so much online of all the different ways that he has hurt people to his own advantage he is a false teacher and he's twisting the word of god here because he wants to be back on a platform because he wants people to leave him alone and let him have his book sales and stop talking about Mars Hill and how I've hurt people knock it off. I'm qualified. You know, you need to get off my back, that kind of stuff. He wants to be, you know, left alone basically from all those people who are saying, Hey, you are not qualified to be a pastor. And if by chance, because I don't know, man, like this, this stuff that I do online, it gets seen by like, it's not like I have tons of people watching right now. There are 20 of you, according to my stream deck saying, uh, that you guys are watching and I am thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, but you know, it's not like I'm streaming to thousands of people, but what I've learned is that sometimes people that you would least expect stumble across, uh, your video and say things and send you messages and different things. So Mark, if you happen to watch this, you need to make things right with the people that you heard at Marcel. You need to go into a season where you are not in ministry, probably get some counseling, have people around you who will support you and love you as you transition and repent of some of these things, not buckle down and double down on your teaching and say everything is satanic and demonic oppression because, you know, these people are saying, hey, you really hurt me. Enough of that. But I doubt that that will happen. Um, but this, this is what he does. He, he basically says, well, fundamentalists do this. And some of these things are true, like Bible translation. Like we don't need to be talking about Bible translations anymore, guys. It's like as someone who knows Greek, kind of knows Hebrew. I passed my classes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but as someone who has studied the original languages, I could say that a lot of these translations that are out here today that are popular are good translations. We need to stop talking about Bible translations. There, there is a sense of fundamentalism about Bible translations. Um, and some of these things are true, but come on, 
virtue signaling by talking about Bible translation, what conferences you go to. Obviously, he's concerned because he wanted to speak at this conference and didn't want people to find out. And people found out and people were upset, you know, that Matt Chandler was also speaking at this conference. Again, he's going to reference that. Um, And who you like on social media, which hashtag you repost, which conferences you go to, which books you read, but you ignore everything in here. That's not what Jesus was concerned about, all right, with the Pharisees. That is not. That's what Driscoll is concerned about. Uh, The Pharisees' philosophical theological descendants would in large part be not just the fundamentalists. And by fundamentalists, he's talking about the evangelical fundamentalists, which I think is uh, a little bit more. Luke, you could leave. You could leave, Luke. Okay? I saw that. You know, I'm, I'm focused over here, but I see that out of the corner of my eye. I see CSB. I was like, what is he talking? What is he talking about? You can go, bro. I'm just kidding. I love you, man. <laughs> but uh, the Pharisees, philosophical, theological descendants would in large part be not just fundamentalists, but the fundamentalists who are cessationists. So here's what Driscoll has done over the last, uh, I would say, probably, I don't know, seven years. Uh, that he has left the camp where he got popular and where he was, in probably his own words, attacked. Um, and he has le- gone to this other camp of uh, non-cessationists, uh, um, Pentecostal, charismatic, and I would probably say a little bit more on the extreme side of these things, okay? This isn't just like the baseline pentecostals charismatics i'm not attacking you i'm just saying like he's gone to like the extreme ends of those and a lot of like the mega churchy ones and he has taken advantage of their theology and realized oh there's a lot about the spirits leading in that and a lot about like just getting revelation in that and not being as dogmatic about certain things a little bit more free about that and with that comes the danger the pitfall of being a little bit more open toward people saying that they're, you know, they were being led by the spirit and they were led away from Mars Hill. They weren't running away from accountability. They weren't running away from church discipline. They were led by the spirit to plant a new church in Arizona. Um, there is, there is that danger in charismatic and Pentecostal theology of just being like, if the spirit, if someone says the spirit is leading them, There are some, not all, I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush here, but there are some who would say that, um, you know, that's fine. You're being led by the spirit. We don't need to double check that. That's fine. And he has found a crack there and he's wiggled into it and he's doubling down here and he's saying all the other people who are not like this you know, who don't have the same giftings of the Holy Spirit, who don't have the same focus on the Holy Spirit, they are the ones who are the fundamentalists. And they are the children, the descendants, the philosophical, theological descendants of the Pharisees. So this is how he can do this and say, like he puts himself into the place of Jesus and looks at the Pharisees of today and says, oh, you're just being legalistic because you're not following the Holy Spirit's guidance and you're not allowing me to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. Well, you can follow the Holy Spirit's guidance and still be in line with Scripture. And a lot of Charismatics, a lot of Pentecostals get that. They double-check everything with Scripture. But these people, 
that Driscoll has fallen in with that are allowing him to be on stages that have come to his church that get his books that have him on their shows they are just no holy spirit said he should do this who am i to judge well we judge by scripture and there are qualifications for elders he doesn't meet them um let's check in with you guys before we move on after i called out my good buddy luke and his views his heretical views on the csb bible just kidding um let's see hey rejoicing bones hey i remembered bones in the house hey how's it going man i appreciate you wrestle with scripture using demonic language can be an expression of an issue with pride and is used very loosely these days in certain circles anything other than what i teach is of the devil yeah yeah and uh he's being very flippant about it uh it causes the very thing you say are avoiding separation Michael S. Ah, yes, the you don't have the right to criticize me. Now shut up and change the <laughs> change you heathen on everything you are wrong about defense. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. I mean, uh, I don't think that we're, you know, oversimplifying here. It's kind of see through what he's trying to do. But will people see that? And will people look at this and be like, there's something more to this? Or will they just be like, ah, whatever. It was just a session. I don't care. Next thing you know, he's speaking at a bigger conference because this one went well. Uh, Mark has never repented of anything. This is a red flag of pride. He left Mars Hill and planted another church. Yeah, which, you know, it's not wrong for a pastor to leave a church and go plant a new one. But when you're going through the process of church discipline and you say from the stage, I will go through this process, I will go through this accountability process, and then you tuck tail and run like that's that's a totally different story julie mace mark driscoll should never have been allowed near a pulpit because he can't handle authority and power that can come with leadership uh yes uh luke well driscoll did apologize for speaking against the prosperity gospel movement (sighs) well at least he apologized for something right luke (laughs) Uh, some agreement there from Don. Don, good to see you here in the chat. Uh, wait, isn't the master of broad brushing, opposing, attacking, and canceling anyone in his way? Yeah. Uh, and how dare you? I just, how dare you? If the KJV was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it is good enough for me. Fof, get out of here. You, you joker. I know you. <laughs> Just just joining. Why is CSB a bad translation? See, not everyone sees it as a joke, Luke. Now you got to go back on it. Uh, and he did. <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, oh, oh, it's right here. Right next to me. But Luke loves the CSB so much. He has the same Bible as me. Um, I think he got it way before me. But So technically, I have the same Bible as him. Uh, but he also has a good video. If you haven't seen it, go over to Luke Daly's channel and look for that CSB review. He has a way better video than mine on the details of things. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah, he definitely was just teasing me. All right, let's continue on. So, when you don't really fully truly believe, so now he's getting into this idea of like the Holy Spirit's leading and these fundamentalists, they like basically me. He's basically calling me a fundamentalist and anyone who would look at him and say like, oh, he needs accountability. That's who he's focused on. Uh, So anyone like me, 
When you don't really fully, truly believe the Spirit of God indwells someone, then you realize there are some things that need to happen for that person, so you nominate yourself to do them. You need to be convicted, so I'm going to convict you. You need to be rebuked, so I'm going to rebuke you. You need to be controlled, so I'm going to control you. So Driscoll, I think, is here showing his real cards about what he thinks happened to himself. All right, and... Here's, here's something I've said so many times. Churches can hurt pastors. Believe me, I've been there. I've been a pastor. I've been hurt by my church. And it's not like anyone intended it. There wasn't any malice. You know, and I've pastored multiple churches. So, you know, it's on you to figure out which, which one I'm talking about. No. <laughs> but it does happen. Pastors get hurt from their churches. Um, so I'm always hesitant when i hear people talking about like like i like because it's just my personal bias as someone who has been a pastor like i want to believe the pastor i want to believe the pastor and be like hey you know sometimes the sheep bite right you hear that phrase a lot from pastors well this guy bit the sheep okay because <laughs> he's a wolf and wolves bite um but here he he's basically being like no i'm the one who got hurt they tried to control me they tried to convict me where I didn't need conviction. They tried to rebuke me on things that I didn't need to be rebuked for. I'm the one who got hurt. That's really what he's saying here. Because again, these words are not coming in a, in like they're just not in a vacuum. They have experience attached to it. You have to take the person's context into it. It's pretty clear what he's trying to say here. So what authority are they under? So talking about the Pharisees, the people asking about accountability. What authority are they under? They're not. These are like the discernment bloggers or discernment. I don't consider myself discernment, um, but YouTubers could probably be a part of this. And all the accountability fools parade. That's his phrase. All the people who are asking about accountability, you know, like the Bible. They're just going to hold everyone else accountable, criticize everyone else, attack everyone else. But are they? You don't see me attacking everybody. <laughs> like, uh, you know, when stuff happens, I call out some things and uh, try to shed some biblical light on different things that happen. And that includes people who are my heroes. Like, or at least were. Like, I've been talking about John MacArthur a lot on the channel over the last two months. You think I wanted to talk about John MacArthur in a pot, like in a, you know, negative light? Absolutely not. But stuff happens and you got to go with the word of God and wherever that is, whoever's involved, you know, sometimes that's going to mean criticizing. I wouldn't say it's attacking like, but I would say that, yeah, it's fair to say that it's criticism, but yeah, he's saying like, what authority are they under? So basically like, oh Yeah. Well, who are you to say this to me is basically his, his defense here and what the Pharisees do, uh, the Pharisees. All right. So here's, here's one of these big statements here. The Pharisees never gathered a crowd. Jesus did. And the Pharisees would come, try to pick a fight with them and try to hijack the crowd. This is what happens all the time. When somebody who is a leader amasses people who are listening to them and then their critics try to attack them cancel them, discredit them, and take the people who originally showed up not to listen to their opponents, but listen to the teacher. So 
basically what he's saying here is those people who are asking about accountability, trying to hold that leader accountable, that they're just haters and they're going to come and they're going to criticize. And the reason why they're doing that is because they just want the crowd for themselves. You know, they just, they just want to get Jesus's crowd. And by Jesus, he means himself because he's keeps on putting himself in the place of Jesus. Like this happens all the time. Pharisees come for Jesus, me, and you know, I've amassed a crowd. Like, look, just listen to like, if you just like pull this apart a little bit, there's so much pride in here. Like also like obviously pride to put yourself in like the place of Jesus constantly throughout this thing. But like, I've amassed a, pr- a crowd. Really? Like, I thought that it was the Holy Spirit that did the work. Mark Driscoll. <laughs> like you just were talking about like the spirits working and everything. And then you're like, I've amassed a crowd uh, to listen to me. And the critics try to attack and they tried to cancel me. They try to cancel. That doesn't happen to everybody. Okay. <laughs> like it might happen to more people today because of the internet and like the, th- the fact that you know, anyone can go into their basement, turn on a camera, start talking to the internet or the fact that every church, you know, at least before like, or during the last like two years, every, every church has basically figured out how to do that, to turn on a camera and put out their sermons to everybody might happen more often because of the ease of access, but not every leader gets this. Like, I don't know. Just pick someone that you say is like a really good pastor. Like, has it happened to them? Like the only times it happens is when stuff gets said, that's wrong. Um, or sometimes when they say something really right, but the culture is against it and all that kind of stuff that does happen, but not every leader goes through this, but he's just trying to like normalize it and say like, Oh, this happens all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. Like, you don't see every week me talking about another pastor fallen, you know, another pastor fallen. Like it happens a couple times of prominent figures. And yeah, sometimes people say like things that are wrong and, you know, I want to interact with the theology behind it, but like no one's trying to cancel, I don't know, Ray Ortland, you know, <laughs> like just name a faithful pastor and say that guy, no one's trying to cancel him. Like this, this isn't, this is one of those things where people who have an issue, like they, they read that into everyone else. Like, it's just part of like our, like human psychology that if we're, for instance, like, uh, you, you are always concerned about people being sarcastic. And so you're all like everything sarcastic. You kind of just look at it as negative. Well, you read that into everything. That other person might not view sarcasm the same way. So you read that into it and you think that they hate you. They don't hate you. You know, they're just a sarcastic person. They're just having fun. They're just saying that the CSB is, you know, a bad translation <laughs> like Luke, <laughs> you know, like you read what you think into other people's thought process. And that's not actually their reality. That's what's happening here. Like this doesn't happen for everyone. You're reading your experience into reality and saying like, oh, this happens all the time. No, it doesn't. The Sadducees. All right, before we get into there, and because we are going long, I hope we can make it through some of these things because they're pretty important. Uh, Let's see what you guys say. Uh, I have a CSB apologetics Bible. I love it. See, Luke, I know you love the CSB. Uh, You going to kid? We're going to kid. 
Sean. By this quote, the very thing he's accusing them of is exactly what he did to other people. He didn't just bite the sheep, he devoured them. Yeah, there are people who are so hurt uh, from from what they experience at the hands of their shepherd, Mark Driscoll. Uh, I wonder if his church took a membership hit from his congregation listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I don't know. I think that would be interesting. I kind of doubt it, to be honest. Like, I, I really feel like if you're going to just, like, overlook someone, like, you got to Google people, right? Like, when you're looking for a new church, you look at the church, you look at their pastor, and if you are a very studious person after looking through, like, their beliefs and everything, you might take that pastor and Google the pastor. Like, a lot of them probably didn't have to Google him, and they knew who he was. But those who would, like, they saw all the stuff and continued, you know, like that church, uh, it's not a huge mega church, even though like their video might look like it. It's not, uh, that, that building, that auditorium is actually fairly small compared to like, uh, a lot of these mega churches. It's nice, but, um, yeah, it's not that big of a church, but, uh, I don't think that probably a lot of people left after that. Maybe had some questions. I hope they had questions. Uh, how dare you has a different ring to it basically. Uh, I checked his YouTube page every now and again, and people still do still sing his praises in the comments. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't watch his videos, but I could see how that could happen. Serious question. Do you think his long-term manipulative tactics have made him so delusional about reality that he's really convinced that his false reality is the truth? Um, Sean, that's a really good question, and that would be like diving into his psychology a little bit more than I have access of information to do. Uh, but I will say that there are lots of times where that happens, where, um, you know, you could see it in the issue of church hurt. You know, sometimes, like not sometimes, a lot of times church hurt is so real and like people are really affected uh, by it uh, and it has ripple effects in their lives and it's terrible. Um, but sometimes, sometimes, you know, people like act like they were so hurt and they weren't really hurt. They just like kind of made some decisions and then they just run with it. And, you know, 20 years later, they're still saying like, oh, that was such a hurtful, painful experience. Um, now I'm not trying to belittle anyone else's story. I'm just saying that sometimes that's also reality. Uh, so I think that that can happen. Uh, is this his story? Um, I mean, from the things that he says, he's either, I guess, I guess you could put it into, he's either a liar or that's his reality. Like, right. And I don't know which, which of the two it is, but that that's, I mean, that's the only conclusion that I could come out to, but it's a good question, Sean. All right. The Sadducees goal is not separation, but syncretism. They would use virtue signal. Like, I don't know how he gets this to be honest. Like, all right. You could get a little bit of like separation, um, with the Pharisees because of the word holiness. And that's really what they were focused on. Um, but even then it's like a stretch, but syncretism for the Sadducees, like what they would use virtue signaling words like love, which means tolerance justice, which is social justice, not cosmic justice. Like this is what I'm saying. This is why it's so dangerous <laughs> because I've heard good Christians who I disagree with about certain things like this, political things, which to me don't matter as much, but for them are huge deals. Um, but he's using those phrases and it's working. He gets to be on the stage 
He gets to have these videos that my friends were sharing. Like, and it's Mark Driscoll. Like, we all know who he is. Like, we all know what he did. But you like what he says about critical race theory, so you're going to share the video. That's what he's doing here. Like, he's using the same phrases. He knows he knows the hits, and he's going to play them so that he can continue. Deconstructing. You know, he's attacking deconstruction. Yeah, that was part of his critical race theory thing, too. Deconstructing, which is criticizing, which they would say is not right. Um, no, it's not. And reconciling. I have videos about deconstruction on this channel. Uh, that is not deconstruction. All right. Their children spiritually would be the liberals, the progressives, and those who would identify as woke. So he's using all, all the buzzwords to try to be like, look, like he's talking about the Sadducees, guys. Sadducees weren't woke. <laughs> like, <laughs> just just read a history book, okay? <laughs> like, this is not... You're trying, to, again, to read modern-day context and buzzwords back into the text or back into the narrative because he's not actually dealing with the text and say, oh, that's what they're like and get people riled up and be like, oh, yeah, those people? Oh, I'm just waiting now. I'm waiting for someone who would look at Dean and say, Dean's woke to be like, Dean's a Sadducee and, and I'll know exactly where it came from. And I'm fully expecting it to happen somewhere in the comments. Don't do it on purpose. Okay. Luke and John and the other John and the other John too. There's three Johns that like to joke with me <laughs> and don't, don't put it in there. <laughs> don't be surprised when the left and the right come together to attack a common enemy. So this is a, a theme that he did in this thing. Uh, he was constantly being like, oh, and all these people would get together and they gang up on Jesus. And kind of being like, all these people will gang up on you like they ganged up on me. <sighs> if you're gang being ganged up on by a whole bunch of different philosophical viewpoints, you did something really wrong. <laughs> like, uh, this isn't like a good thing. You aren't Jesus, okay? You're just a guy who said and did some things that were really messed up as a pastor and you're being attacked. Like if this is, and this is what he's telling like young people like, Oh, you know, you're going to be attacked. And like, I mean, sometimes, and this is something that like Christians get wrong. They're always like, Oh, it's a good thing to be persecuted. Well, first off, like, let's ask why you're being persecuted. Is it really about truth or is it the fact that you said it in a really jerky way? just saying today we would call these people or these folks woke progressive these are the folks who are going to use virtue words like social justice these are folks who are going to say they're christians then immediately jump on things like black lives matter what you had to throw it in there there's the buzzword they're going to post rainbows and they're going to constantly be attacking questioning and opposing anyone who's trying to be consistent with scripture and these people really like masks. It's just like, like, this is like a Mad Lib, you know, of just like all the words that like super conservative Christians are concerned about politically. And when I talk about conservative, I'm not talking about theology. I'm talking about like politically, like, what are they concerned about? They're concerned about all these. Let me just throw them all into a paragraph. Like that's literally what's being mass. Like, Come on, whatever. 
Uh, do not be surprised when these various groups align to attack you. When you make a decision or you lead or you preach, one of those groups will idolize you. So this is where he's getting a little bit more into his own story. But then as soon as they realize that you don't completely agree with them, they're going to demonize you. That's exactly what Judas, if he was a zealot, did to Jesus. So this is when he transitioned. Um, he talked about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, which he barely mentioned, but I guess he wanted four. And then he talks about the zealots. And he says that Judas was a zealot. Not a lot historically to make a claim like that. Uh, but he's saying like, oh, this is what, Judas did to Jesus and this is what people do to me they idolize me they like because they think I'm part of their group because you know at the time talking about Calvinism sure is part of whatever he's thinking here like oh like I'm I'm reformed so you you like the things I have to say about reformed stuff but as soon as you realize that I'm not exactly the same then you demonize me like no, man, that's that's not why people... First off, they didn't demonize you. Like, first, there was a process where people tried to be like, hey, let's draw you back. So many people were, like, reaching out <laughs> and, like, trying to... Like, you listen to Paul David Tripp talk about, um, you know, how he was interacting with Driscoll and the leadership team and getting other people involved and all of that. There were, there were so many attempts to try to, like, be like, hey... You need to calm down about these things. You need to figure out, you know, is this something that's biblical or not to do? Uh, is this the right character that you need to have? Like, are, you're hurting people. Like, there were so many people who reached out in love. And they didn't demonize him. But he's saying, like, basically everyone else is Judas and I'm Jesus. And they're attacking me. And they, you know, they're just, they're just zealots. So that's, that's really where he went with all this stuff. So I guess, I guess the main point to take away is that we need to be really careful about um, allowing people to have stages. And we, when there is stuff, we need to call it out and say, like, hey, this person isn't qualified. Uh, and, you know, was it Matt Chandler who hosted him? That's what Fof asked. Um, like, this is... Are you talking about the whole thing, Theos Conference? Uh, no, uh, Matt Chandler was like their main speaker, and um, he was fine with speaking with him, apparently. Um, but yeah, he he basically put out a statement saying, hey, wherever I get to preach truth, I'm going to preach truth, which is asinine to me, at least. Like, But that, I don't know, I have an IFB background, so maybe that's just the remnants coming out, but... You should not, I think, be, you know, holding hands with someone like this who is just hurting people and just says, oh, well, I'm not going to apologize for any of it. That was all demonic oppression, spiritual uh, attacks. Um, you're a zealot, you're a Pharisee, you're a Sadducee, which... Like, the, like he never even really got into the idea of like holding on to the gospel, which is like the main thing about that you would want for anyone who is like thinking through apostasy, like just hold on to Jesus. And he never really did that. He had some kind of metaphor at the end of, oh, the Pharisees, like, what is it? Like they, 
they move to the right and uh, they move too much to the right and the the Sadducees a little to the left, the Essenes, they run away from things and the Zealots, they move forward. So you need to stay in the center, but he never really gave like, what is the gospel? And that's what any person who's struggling with, like, should I leave the faith? Should I abandon the faith once for all delivered to the saints? They need the gospel. They don't need political stuff, but that's what he wanted to talk about because that's what he wants to do. He wants to be back on the stages talking about it. So he's saying all the buzzwords so that people like you and me will just look past all the other stuff and focus on those, which I refuse. And so, yes, I wanted to talk about it again. And I wanted to show the foolishness uh, of his session and really this whole conference and the foolishness of those who partake, uh, you know, who were a part of it. I mean, to me, you know, you can talk about second degree separation all you want, but to me that just kind of discredits a lot of these people, um, which I mean, a lot of them, I don't know, but the few that I do just not cool, not cool to be doing that. And just like belittling the hurts of others and just being like, man, whatever he's speaking, I'm speaking. It's not a big deal. Uh, Mark should pick up mere Christianity and read about the great sin. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, let's see. Julie Mays, still the same narcissist and bully them. Um, make no change to be seen here. Mark, no change. Yep. Um, let's see. Mark needs to put the damage he is doing to people now. He is very delusion, uh, dangerous, delusional man. Yeah. I, I think at this point I would have to agree. Now I do, you know, before I end the stream today, uh, I want to say thank you first off for, oh, I never hit this thing. Uh, if you're still here and, uh, you haven't hit the like button, please do it. It helps the reach of this video and it makes me feel good to see the likes go up. it's just like, I, I just sit there and I just watch it. I just have like the app open. I'm just staring at the likes. So help me out hit the like button. Uh, if you're new to the channel, think about subscribing. Uh, also I dropped a newsletter on Sunday. Uh, so if you go, there's a link in the description of the video. Uh, you can click on that and get a little bit of an update about the, the state of the channel, uh, some links that you might find interesting. And at the end is, um, you know, an exclusive video in my best book series. And also there is a new, um, episode of that, that I made public. Uh, so this, the way it's working is these videos are going to live on the newsletter, uh, for a month and they'll be private and you have to go to that. Uh, and then, uh, they'll go public and, uh, like once the new newsletter comes out. So there's one on leadership books, uh, that is now public on my channel. But if you want to see one about missional living, uh, something that Driscoll claimed to be all about, uh, you can go onto the newsletter, sign up for it and get access to that. Um, also with that new things, I want to be doing some new things on the channel. I put this in the newsletter. So I'll only say on Friday, there will be something that will be coming out and I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the time, but it'll be Friday morning and I'm going to save a little bit of that information for the newsletter. So if you want to know what that is, go sign up for the newsletter and read it. And, uh, it's something I'm very excited about. Got a 
work on the logo for it a little bit. I've been, you know, just working on it a little bit. It's fun. Uh, anyways, uh, thanks for watching. Um, like I said, do all the things like subscribe, all that jazz. Uh, and I will see you later on in the week, probably on Wednesday. Uh, just a normal video coming out maybe on Thursday, but Friday, Friday is a special day. So I'll see you then. Hope you have a great beginning to your week.